Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Sandy Almendares, Content Director. Hi, Sandy here, jumping in at the start of this podcast to say that we recorded this in late February when we thought Ivan would be speaking at Supply Side East in Secaucus, New Jersey in April. However, since then, the show has been canceled due to COVID-19 and his talk has been transitioned to a webinar which is going to be held on Thursday, June 4th at 2 p.m. Eastern. This webinar can also be viewed after that date on demand. So join us then to hear Ivan Wasserman talk about probiotic regulations and class action lawsuits. Check out naturalproductsinsider.com for registration details. Now here's the podcast. And welcome to a Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Sandy, and on the phone, I have Ivan Wasserman, who is managing partner at Amid Talati Wasserman. Hi, Ivan. Hey, Sandy. How are you? Great. And I'm super excited to talk with you about probiotics. We're going to talk about regulations and class action lawsuits. So Ivan is an attorney that focuses on health, wellness, beauty, and other consumer products. He helps client launch products and create advertising campaigns that match clinical evidence while also paying close attention to the changing rules governing internet marketing, consumer testimonials, and social media. He advocates for clients subject to the jurisdictions of FDA, FTC, and the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. He regularly represents companies before the National Advertising Division and the Electronic Retailing Self-Regulation Program. Um, He has been included in the Best Lawyers in America from 2007 to 2020. So, Ivan, greater specificity in probiotic classification has led to a rise in a number of probiotic species classified under the Lactobacillus genus. Um, And there's discussion that the classification will be split into many new genres with new names. What are the legal implications here for brands that offer Lactobacillus products? Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Sandy, for the kind introduction. And uh, yeah, this is an issue that's uh, been talked about a lot. Uh, it's going to happen. It's not a. It's not a matter of if. It's definitely a matter of when. And when actually could be could be any day. Um, from what we understand, the uh, I'll explain how it works. The the, the new uh, classifications of the species of the genus have been have been submitted for publication, so they're under review. Uh, so any day now, or they should be published in the in the International Journal of Systemic and Evolutionary Microbiology, uh, which I'm sure everyone listening subscribes to. Um, but uh, yeah, that's sort of the official group, the official journal where they publish the new uh, taxonomy for uh, bacteria. Um, yeah, so just by way of background, uh, uh, you know, Probiotics or bacteria are defined or identified uh, by their genus, species, and strain. Uh, Lactobacillus is a genus. Uh, you'll, you know, one of those common uh, uh, generas, or, or I'm sorry, species within the Lactobacillus genus is, you know, Acidophilus. So Lactobacillus is the genus, Acidophilus is the species, and then the strain typically has a few numbers or letters as part of the designation. Um, so. As you can imagine, it's it's quite a microbiological uh, task to figure out which family uh, any particular bacteria belongs to. Um, and Lactobacillus has been around for a while. 
and as of now, there's about 269 um, um, species within the Lactobacillus genus. And some research was done, which uh, looked at all these different species and the uh, various lact species in the Lactobacillus genus, and saw that, in fact, you know, they have very distinct or uh, unique characteristics. And uh, due to some, you know, advanced microbiology, uh, it's been decided that it's time to subdivide the Lactobacillus um, genus into into different. Uh, genera, which is plural of genus, um, and that is going to happen. Uh, so sooner, pretty soon probably, uh, they're going to publish that. Uh, we'll see the Lactobacillus genus uh, divided into 10, between 10 and 23 uh, new genus, all with new names. Um, and so that's going to happen. So the species will stay the same, uh, the strain will stay the same, but uh, the genus name will change. Um, so what legal implications does that create? Uh, you know, some countries that, that require the genus to be identified on labels uh, under those uh, rules uh, will require that to be changed on your supplement facts label or food ingredient label, uh, Canada, for example, being, being one. Um, the U.S. doesn't necessarily subscribe or say you have to use those names. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, there's going to be obviously, um, you know, cross-border, uh, the same product would need to be labeled the same way. So eventually people are going to start switching over to the new nomenclature. Um, we actually met with the International Probiotics Association uh, yesterday with the Food and Drug Administration, and they're not certainly, they're aware of this change, but they're not saying, you know, you have to change your labels by date certain because... Unlike you know other countries, it's not actually uh, mandatory to use this new nomenclature. Um, what is what they are going to do that's useful is they're going to keep the letter L uh, to the start of all the new uh, genus or genera. So to the extent you're labeling your products right now L acidophilus, uh, you'll be able to keep that. Now, so legally. What's going to happen? I think it's more confusion what's going to happen. There's the potential to be very confusing to both regulators, to consumers, to healthcare practitioners. Um, you know, for stuff coming in over the border, for example, uh, you know, in any particular country, there's most countries have lists of, you know, what strains are or, or what bacteria are grass, let's say, or subject to NDIs. Uh, all of a sudden, some product's going to come across with a new name, possibly. Some uh, customs person or border person's going to look, and it's not going to be on the list uh, because it's going to be under a new name. It's going to cause all sorts of confusion, uh, possibly. For customers, consumers who are used to seeing lactobacillus, and all of a sudden your product has a different name, there's going to be some confusion uh, for a, a, the Federal Trade Commission or an advertising regulator uh, that you're making a claim, you know, you know uh, improves digestion, something like that. Uh, they're going to do a PubMed search, perhaps, for the for the bacteria uh, that under the new name that you're using, and they won't find anything because they're not using Lactobacillus. That if they did a search under PubMed for that, there'd be dozens or hundreds of studies. So there's the potential to be very confusing until everyone gets used to the new nomenclature. Um, and uh, I think that the best thing to do is be prepared for it. 
you know, know it's coming, uh, know it's uh, coming down the pike if you have a lactobacillus uh, um, bacteria, um, and maybe start educating. Maybe start educating your customers if you're an ingredient supplier. Maybe start, you know, making plans to educate your your customers if you're a finished product manufacturer. Uh, you know, I often analogize it to Prince. You know, Prince when he famously had to change his name. Prince didn't didn't change being. He was still the same human, the same organism, belonging to the same <laughs> genus. But he went under a new name, and for a long time, just so he didn't get confused, he was called the artist formerly known as Prince. We all remember that. So uh, the formerly known as, you know, may be important on import documentation and even on product labeling. So consumers sort of understand it's not a whole new product. It's the same thing, just with a new name. I love the comparison to Prince. That's something I can certainly get behind. <laughs> and I'm also curious if they're holding a contest, if scientists are holding a contest for all those new L names and how they're going to determine 10 to 23 new L names. I know. It's, it's got to be fun. Uh, I wish I was involved with that. Like I wish <laughs> I was one of the uh, you know Crayola color identifiers. It's got to be a much more fun gig than this law stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to other probiotic news. So Dr. Stephen Hahn was sworn in as the new FDA commissioner in December 2019. Do you expect that this appointment will have an effect on probiotic action or enforcement from the agency? Um, yeah, I think we really need to see what see what happens with the new uh, commissioner. Uh, you know, we don't have any indication that he's particularly for or against uh, probiotics or for or against dietary supplements generally. He's a very accomplished uh, cancer uh, researcher, very uh, published, uh, seems like a very smart guy. Um, you know, personally, I don't foresee his appointment uh, as really changing uh, FDA's stance towards probiotics or towards, you know, supplements generally. I think he's got... Uh, from his perspective, at least bigger, bigger fish to fry. <laughs> um, I think he's going to be spending a lot of time dealing with the uh, opioid opiate issues, with drug pricing, um, with vaping. I think is obviously going to be continue to be a big issue at FDA and electronic cigarettes. Um, and then on the supplement side, you know, those three letters CBD, I think, are much more likely to uh, take up his focus on, on the supplement and food ingredient side than, than the probiotic category, uh, you know, for better or worse, because obviously probiotic categories are a hot uh, topic, an incredibly important uh, um, um, ingredient. So uh, obviously we want positive uh, uh, support from, from the FDA, <laughs> uh, but certainly don't want any unwanted negative uh, attention either. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. So will FDA, do you think, ever let probiotic brands label their products in CFUs rather than by or in addition to weight? This, Sandy, you've hit on one of the craziest regulations in my long experience dealing with FDA, one of these things that just makes no sense. Um, so FDA requires you, for a dietary supplement, to uh, identify the amount of dietary ingredients in your product by weight. Uh, there is not a separate section dealing with live um, microbial ingredients, uh, aka probiotics. 
Um, there's not even a definition of probiotics in the Food, Drug, Cosmetic Act or in the regulations. So for the purposes of inclusion in a dietary supplement, uh, diet, uh, probiotics, live microbials are treated like any other ingredients like calcium, which is a rock. Um, so technically, labels are supposed to identify uh, how much probiotics are in a product by weight. Now, weight, as you may know, as a living thing, uh, <laughs> isn't nearly as important uh, as, as other things. Two batches of the same uh, probiotics uh, are, you know, may weigh completely different things but provide the same amount of live microbials, also known as CFUs or culinary forming units from batch to batch, just like just like you weigh different amounts, Sandy, perhaps from time to time. I certainly weigh different amounts depending on what I ate, depending on how much I ate, uh, you know, depending on how these, these bacteria are grown and fermented, you know, they can change weights at uh, different times. Um, more importantly, perhaps, um, you know, the only a probiotic has to be alive. That's the definition of a probiotic. But in any sort of spoonful of probiotics, you're going to have a lot of uh, deceased uh, bacteria in there. Deceased bacteria continue to have weight, um, but they're not of any value to consumers uh, in a probiotic product. So it really doesn't make any sense. Uh, every research paper out there on probiotics is done on CFU count, not on weight. Um, so anyway, as, as a result of that, if you, consumers are looking at two different probiotic products, uh, you know, that one says 20 grams and one says 15 grams, you know, they might be more likely to think, well, the 15-gram product might be better. But as we just discussed, weight isn't nearly uh, isn't really relevant with respect to live microbials. Recognizing that uh, we, I'm sorry, the International Probiotic Association petitioned FDA to allow enforcement discretion uh, in order to let companies, um, instead of uh, the required milligrams, to to label their product by CFUs. Uh, in response to that petition, uh, FDA issued a draft guidance uh, document. It's uh, probably about two years ago now, um, where they, you know, it was a little bit of give, but it's an odd one. They basically recognize that they won't object to including the CFU count uh, uh, as long as you do it in addition to weight. You know, I don't think that really makes sense because, as I said, weight is irrelevant. Uh, that's still a draft guidance. The Probiotic Association and others have, uh, you know, submitted comments to the draft guidance. Uh, we are waiting to see if FDA agrees with us that uh, it can be CFUs in lieu of weight. So let's move to class action lawsuits. Um, what yes. movements in these against probiotic companies have we seen in the past year? And are there any greater takeaways? From a consumer standpoint, I am always watching the kombucha class action lawsuits because I love kombucha. Um, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm not sure if I'm seeing a lot of other, other movement here in, with probiotics. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the the ones that we have seen uh, actually be filed, and those are the ones we're aware of, uh, all lately have been focused on uh, kombucha and the you know health benefits of that, um, as well as how much you know the content of the probiotics in in a kombucha product. Uh, there was one case recently settled, uh, well, I should yeah, dismissed and. February of last year, which was against the Tropicana Essentials uh, 
juice product that was claimed to have probiotics. Um, and it's interesting, they, you know, some of the, the allegations in that suit, if you, if you didn't follow it, uh, they called it probiotic uh, essentials, probiotic juice, where they basically were adding probiotics to orange juice. And the arguments that the plaintiffs made included that, uh, you know, by saying that, they were arguing that probiotics were an essential uh, nutrient, uh, which, which they're not under FDA's um, you know, use of that term. Um, and they really, they really did attack or try to attack the science behind the benefits of uh, just adding some probiotics to uh, orange juice. Uh, you know, that case was filed, uh, but it was dismissed, so we don't know exactly why it was dismissed or the, or the, the settlement terms were confidential. Um, yeah, so other than that, uh, we haven't seen a lot of filed cases in the probiotic space. Of course, as we know, um, most often uh, these you know cases start with a demand letter from a from a plaintiff's lawyer, typically in California, saying you know uh, pass you know we're going to sue you unless we settle. And so if those you know demand letters are settled prior to litigation, we wouldn't be aware of them. Um, so I, so I still do you know want to not give anyone listening to this, you know, comfort uh, by the lack of, of filed cases because we are, just as our little law firm is just n seeing no letdown in, in those type of letters uh, coming towards our clients, um, you know, not, obviously not just probiotics, but across the spectrum. So, you know, continue to be diligent, continue to make sure your claims are substantiated, uh, continue to, you know, make sure your CFU counts are, are accurate, uh, whether it's a beverage or a, or a supplement. Right. And lastly, and all this, I have failed to mention that you are the official probiotic comic. So how can folks find your comedy? <laughs> um, well, uh, my next uh, live performance uh, will be at Supply Side West in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, book your tickets now. I think yep. they're, they're, they're selling out, standing room only. Um <laughs> Um, my agent, uh, tells me that, uh, I don't have a lot of bookings between, between now and then. Um, but, uh, if you want to see some, some prior performances, um, if you go to uh, YouTube and search probiotic comic, um, surprisingly, actually, uh, I'm the only, I'm the only hit on that, uh, <laughs> on that search. <laughs> so, uh, there's a couple of my... My old performances from Supply Sidewest and and my my more recent performance in Ireland. Well, thank you so much, Ivan, for joining me on this podcast and talking probiotics. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sandy. Again, you can hear Ivan's webinar, Probiotic Regulations and Class Action Lawsuits, live Thursday, June 4th at 2 p.m. Eastern and available on demand after. Registration details are at naturalproductsinsider.com.